doing, man? Good. How are you? Really well, man. Thank you very much. Dude, thanks for coming on here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Dude, I love that shirt, man. That's wicked. Yeah, actually, my uh, it's funny. My dad gave me this for my birthday a few years back because it just so happens to be the same day that they landed on the moon. <laughs> Your birthday is? Yeah, so he's uh, he was always proud of that. That's so sick, man. Yeah. Dude, how's your morning going? How, how What have you been up to? Morning's been good. Uh, oh, what did I do? I, I did some programming for some clients. Um, I'm also programming for the gym that I work at. So just putting together workouts for the week and had some coffee, you know, enjoyed some sunshine first thing in the morning. That's pretty much pretty much it so far. How about you? Um, what did I do? I woke up, I went for a little jog around Richmond here and then, yeah. uh, came back, made some breakfast, had a little, uh, eggs and some sausages. And, uh, I did my little group call. I have like a little group call every Sunday morning where we just like kind of, uh, chat about mental health and kind of like, it's like a weekly recap kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it was just a small, only one guy, actually, everyone else in the group was like busy with little things today. So it was only like me and one other guy today. We were just kind yeah. of talking about, um, kind of just where he's at right now in his career and, and, uh, how he's feeling about that and kind of if there's possible changes he can make, we just kind of chatting cause we work in similar industries. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of, a, it was nice to kind of, usually we have like kind of more of a group setting and, uh, it's a lot more like, uh broad because it's yeah obviously a group setting but having that one-on-one call this morning was a lot cooler because we were just kind of chatting a lot more in specific like how our weeks went and uh, got to dive into more details man so it was kind of nice cool Cool. yeah i think that's i think that's something really lacking in people's lives nowadays just like having having an opportunity to share what's going on with yourselves people are really well maybe not everybody but i think the majority of people probably feel pretty disconnected from each other it's nice that you're doing that. Yeah, hundred percent. I think even when we talk to people, like, um, like you say, like when you see someone, like, dude, I, I'm you're probably like this as well. Like in the gym, like you probably notice this all the time because I I'm in the gym setting quite often as well, and uh, it's like, oh man, how's your week? Oh, good, man. It was busy with work. Oh, what'd you do? Oh, I just worked and you know spent some time with my family. Like it's so like broad. Like it's like, oh, I hung out. And that's it. Like, you know, like we never really get into details of like, you know, like, Hey man, this week was actually pretty fucking rough for me. Uh, I've been feeling like this. I've been feeling like that. There's, this is what's causing it. This is what could help me. You know, like mm-hmm. we never really get in detail of like um, just these conversations, I feel like. So having that kind of space to do so is, is pretty nice. Even like, dude, that's what this podcast is for me, man. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that, uh, there isn't a lot of depth of conversation. Well, I think there's a lot of different factors. I think uh, like the obvious answer with the, the answer that everyone says is like stigma, right? Like it's like, Oh, I, we, we have this like kind of concept of like keeping up with the Joneses. Like, like mm. as if like uh, if we say something like, especially with the people that we know at like very surface level, we want them to think, Hey, I've got this together. I, I'm not like just guessing. I, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mm. mean? We have this kind of feeling like we, we are supposed to know what we're doing all the time because we think everyone else knows what they're doing all the time. Yeah, it's this yeah. weird fucking illusion that we all try and keep up, but it doesn't, it's not true at all. Like I, I talked, dude, that was one of the things we talked about last week in this group is like, I think it was like around like in my early twenties where I realized, holy shit, my parents were guessing the whole fucking time. yeah and then i realized everyone was fucking guessing the whole time yeah you know what i mean and it's funny that you say that i think about this a lot like just how freeing it is when you realize just i don't know if the word fallible is the right word but just how imperfect everybody is and that's kind of what makes it makes life fun and you got things to work on you know like i know for myself um, sometimes to a fault, I'm just pretty easy going with things because I know that I can always get better. So most things don't bother me. Like maybe they did when I was younger. Um, I just don't put as much pressure on myself anymore, but it's interesting to see, I know even with like my parents, like, I don't know if that was the generation, but they're still 
very like scared of showing their true colors to certain people. You know, it's like only, only very few people really get to know them. And, and I, I think to myself, I'm like, you know, for what, what's it matter? Like, what's any, what's it matter what people think of you at the end of the day, we're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah, man. I feel like there's, and it depends, it depends on like the context and the stigma around each individual thing. I feel like as well, because mm-hmm. I remember, um, yeah, even during like the very beginning of the pandemic, like I remember like my parents were like kind of scared of what the neighbors would think if we like had people over in the backyard mm. or if we went for walks as a family, even like in the very beginning, like they were like, you know, like walks are, and I'm like, man, I'm going for a run. I don't give a fuck. Like if people yell at me for wanting to go for a run, that's mm. fucked up. You know what I mean? Like that was the way I looked yeah. at it. But there's this like, and again, like I don't blame them. I'm not mad at them or for anything like that, but it's, it's, in my eyes, it's like, it's always like kind of fear-based, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, what if they think this of us? Or what if they post, like, dude, there's like, even in tight-knit group, like communities, like my parents live in like a a smaller community, uh, uh, like it's a suburb of a suburb, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like, there's Facebook groups where like, people post shit all the time about neighbors that for example, like their dog takes a shit on someone's lawn and they're like, uh, yeah, they, yeah. they're like, I have pictures of your dog, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, <laughs> and it's yeah, like, it was you. yeah, exactly. And they'll like publicly <laughs> shame them online. So like, there's like people that are like actually fearful of that. They're like, what if yeah. we get shamed online? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a topic of discussion in and of itself. Like, I don't know if, like shame culture, like where does that stem from? I, I think some of it is natural, like like humans have evolved to be conscious of what their peers think as a survival mechanism, right? But at what point, like where do you draw the line? You know, like where what is useful and what is not, you know? Yeah, like what are we actually shaming people for here? Yeah. Like is it like shameful acts? Like, hey, this person is like an actual like offender of like a sex offender like a predator Mm. or something like that like yeah you should shame them for that like that's something the whole community needs to know but it's like did this guy not flatten his cardboard before he recycled it maybe that's just like a one-on-one conversation you have to have you know yeah you got bigger problems in your life if those sorts of things are bothering you you know yeah exactly but that's just that's, yeah that's like an indicator again like that's like an indicator of like true privilege like if that's the thing that's bothering you how amazing is your life that that's the thing that's bothering you is how your neighbor recycles or like what they where their dog takes a shit like oh you have to scoop up a piece of shit yeah it just goes to show you two people they almost need problems in their lives you know like you and we get to choose what kind of problems we have but you can't like there will always be problems. You just get to choose which ones you focus on. Right. And, and some are obviously bigger than others. And like, I think that's a really good way to say it. It's like, it's a sign of the privilege of the world that you're living in. You know, if, if the smallest of things are getting to you and angering you, then, you know, maybe it's time to reflect and think things are pretty good. Yeah. Man, right? no, no kidding. So like, um, yeah, for anyone that's kind of listening to this or watching this, I guess, do you want to give yourself like a little bit of an introduction to yourself or your backstory or like what you're up to right now? So if anyone's curious about how we got Yeah, to- yeah. So uh, I work as a personal trainer. Um, I've been in the CrossFit scene now for about, ooh, about eight, nine years. Um, before that, I was playing football. I played football at University of Toronto, a little bit at UBC as well. Um, and that was really the reason I got into fitness was – basically just to, to get better at sports. And I found that I, uh, I really enjoyed the grind and like pushing myself to my limits and seeing the progress over time. Um, I really enjoy the discipline of it. And I think it also helped me mentally a lot too. I had something that I could control. I knew, I knew I could control my results if I just, um, would stick to it and, and really focus on what actions I was taking. So that provided me a lot of stability in my life when I was younger. Um, maybe at a time where I wasn't feeling like there was a lot of stability elsewhere in my life. And then also too, you know, when I was playing football, I, I suffered some pretty serious concussions near the end of um, my time there in university. And it kind of cut my career short, but um, yeah, I mean, it all kind of, 
came full circle. The fitness thing was what helped me get out of that too. I had something to apply myself to when football was done. And, you know, I felt pretty lost at that time. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest thing is like, you know, fitness is the reason I'm in it is because it's provided me a lot of stability. It's provided me a lot of direction in my life and it's kind of, it's given me the tools that has allowed me to then branch off into other other directions and, and, you know, learn more about business and learn more about philosophy and all these other things. It's all started from that central point. Yeah. And then like, uh, when you say like, uh, like you had like a lack of stability, like, I feel like a lot of people, they feel like, like, dude, I feel like I have a lack of stability all the time. Like, there's, there's, there's always times where like, I look at my life and I'm like, what am I fucking doing right now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But could you point out like a key point of like maybe a a time in your life where you're like, I, if I didn't have fitness, I would have been fucked. Is there something? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in a household that, I mean, I had my parents both in my life, which was, which was great. Um, my mom had some issues with alcohol and we didn't really know that a whole lot growing up. She was pretty, pretty like secretive about it. But as we got older, we kind of found out that that was, a lot of the reasons she was having the problems she was having, she was drinking a lot. Um, and my parents split when I was pretty young. So what I, I, I can probably pinpoint like being even in high school. I remember um, we had a strength and conditioning class at the high school I went to. I went to Hugh Boyd in Richmond. And um, I just remember being like really enjoying the time that I had in that strength and conditioning class. I really like pushing myself to the point where I was just like, or how, what word could I use other than just like, going through the pain you know like push myself into the pain cave and then feeling so good about it afterwards um it was almost just like this this release for me um and that was long before I got super disciplined or like knew what I was doing you know I was just kind of going through the motions getting getting a little pump in the gym doing some bench press or you know going for a jog or whatever it was but at the same time um that kind of kind of planted the seeds for the future and and that feeling that I got in the gym um kind of drove me to to want to take that the next step and become a trainer um but yeah I think it was just like I said um I mean nowadays I wouldn't say I feel too unstable like I used to like when I was a teenager I felt a lot like that I I didn't enjoy my teenage years very much and I was very I think I was very confused about the world like I didn't understand a lot of what was going on around me with my peers, probably because I didn't know what was going on with me because of the family situation. Um, yeah. I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but basically what I'm saying is like, yeah, the, the gym just provided me a level of stability that I couldn't find anywhere else. And, and then also helped me to focus more, a little bit more on football too. Cause I, I have very, you know, for a guy, I think at that age, I, I was a pretty good athlete, but I didn't have the mind. Like my, my brain was all over the place, you know, and I, I couldn't figure out why. I know now why, <laughs> but uh, at the time, it just, I just felt like things were always crumbling down around me. There's a lot of like uh, turmoil in the household. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, um, you say like, you know, now why, like, did, did you want, like, uh, did you want to dive into like, uh, maybe why you kind of felt like that because it's interesting to hear about you know you were an athlete like I've even like I think I even remember being friends with people that played football with you I think I remember even hearing about you in high school like this awesome football star but it's 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 uh so weird I feel like a lot of especially young men but I don't know if women deal with this as well we're like we kind of do the same thing we started talking about in the very beginning we kind of compare ourselves to other men like, especially mm-hmm. in like our teenage years, like I remember being in high school, I was, I was an athlete in high school as well. And I would always look at other athletes and be like, fuck, I wish I had what he had. I wish I had mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's um, interesting to always hear back in retrospect. Like I didn't feel good when other people say this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just it goes to show you, like, you never know what kind of battles people are going through. Right. Yeah. I knew some of the, some of the best athletes, same thing. Like I would compare myself against them and they went through some really hard times with, you know, drug use and stuff in their later teens, early twenties, and kind of lost it all. So 
you know, it, it's very, uh, it's very fragile and we're all kind of in the same boat, just like, like we said before, just trying to figure it out. Um, but yeah, in regards to kind of knowing better now or understanding why now, I think um, having been removed from the house and living on my own now for, I guess, since I was 19, I moved out um, and just being, being a different situation. I, I realized that it was just the, like I said, the family, the family situation at home, my mom in particular being very unstable and my parents having split, I didn't have a lot of stability in the figureheads in the house. Right. Like, I think that, I think that like having, having that stability in your parents is very important, you know, or if it's not your parents then it's whoever your guardian is or the people you spend the most time with, right? Like if they're, if they're going through some pretty serious, um, you know, depression or substance abuse issues and that kind of stuff, it's going to, it's going to trickle over into, you know, your life as well. And I think that, you know, everyone's heard the whole, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, right? That whole, uh, was that Stephen Covey, seven habits of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that that's, that's, it's amplified even greater when it's, it's your parents or your family who that's basically who, you know, the best. And, you know, you take all your habits and all your, um, your information for the majority of your formative years from, right. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I think it was just, I, I always valued family a lot. And so, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really see what was wrong with me because I thought that what was happening in the house was kind of normal until I got out of it and had some time for myself to, to like, just go into the world and work and play sports at a higher level and be around new people and um, immerse myself into new environments. Right. Yeah. I was getting, that was going to be my next question is like, kind of what, what was like the catalyst? Like once you kind of moved out and cause I had a pretty similar realization, like kind of uh, I guess more finding of stability once I moved out and I started living on my own or like with a roommate, I live with a roommate, but like once I started, once I, you know, had to pay rent, once I had all these different responsibilities. And when I came home at night, there wasn't someone nagging me to do anything there. It was like, yeah, I got to clean up after myself. I've got to do all my own dishes. I've got to make my own bag. I do all my own laundry, like all of those different little things. That was kind of a smack in the face for me. But mm-hmm. I, I guess I was going to say like, what, what I got, what was like the biggest change for you? Like once you started like living on your own that kind of made that mental shift for you? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, I think, like I said, just the biggest change was just being out of it. You know, I, I've always been a really curious person. So um, I always, from, from like a very young age, I was the type of kid who would ask why, you know, why are things this way? Why am I going through this situation? Um, you know, and what can I do about it? So I think that one thing that probably made a big difference is I I can remember very, very vividly being in my house with my mom, like probably the age of like 14, 15 and asking her questions about like, why are things this way? Why are things that way? Why, why is it that maybe I can't do some of the things that my friends can do, you know, Um, that could be, for example, like I wanted to go hang with my friends, but, it was, you know, quite a ways away and my mom wasn't open to picking me up. Like couldn't pick me up at whatever time. And I find out later that, later that, you know, maybe she'd been drinking or something like that. But then meanwhile, all my other friends, their parents had no issue with those sorts of things. And she, you know, my mom, she usually would have a, a hard time with me asking questions. Like it really bothered her that I would, I would wonder why she was doing the, way, the things she was doing or why were things the way that they were. Um, and so I guess I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but That's I think fine, what, what made the biggest difference for me was because I had that curious mind when I did end up, you know, going off on my own, I still had that mind and it allowed me to kind of figure everything out maybe a little quicker than some of my peers or some of my friends. Um, I never really wanted to live I didn't want to just live, you know, I always wanted to thrive. I always wanted to get better. I always wanted to solve problems and, and fix things. And, and even when I, you know, moments in my life where I got a little bit lazy, 
that was always still nagging in the back of my head. Like I'm not doing as good as I can. Mm-hmm. And being out of the house, that, that mindset that I had was, it was almost, it was almost like combative, you know, like it was, it was like a, if I, if I would ask any questions, it meant like a fight, you know? So being out of that toxic, like aggressive environment allowed me just to naturally um, kind of expand quickly, I guess. And that's not to say, you know, obviously, I mean, we're always trying to figure things out, but I think definitely that catapulted me, at least in regards to like wanting to work on myself and self-improvement, like all those sorts of things happened quite young for me. I, I was sort of reading books when I was like 20, like on self-improvement and, you know, the, the Stephen Covey's or the, you know, Dale Carnegie's or the, you know, famous authors, everybody's read. Like I started reading that stuff pretty young because of the fact that I was so curious and I was, I was kind of on my own to start figuring things out. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. When you started playing university ball, I'm guessing around like 18, 19. I actually know I, I played junior football first. Um, so I played junior football in Langley. There's a team called the Langley Rams. Langley Rams. Yeah. 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 And we, they were a great team. I had a great time there. Actually, that was probably my favorite time playing football was, was junior football. Um, because my grades weren't that good in high school, so I couldn't even get into UBC. And then I ended up getting a, a scholarship to University of Toronto after that. And, um, which I was pretty proud of because I, I kind of had to like earn my way into the school. So they're basically the condition of my, my scholarship was you need to get like a certain percentage or whatever to be able to actually eligibly play. Um, and so I was there for a couple of years and then eventually moved my way back here and played a little bit at UBC as well. And so like moving to Toronto was like a whole new experience. Like, cause you're in like, a, not even just like moving out, but like, you're like in a completely different province, new group of friends, new, like there's no one, you know, around there, I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. Well, I, my aunt lived there. So I did have that. Like my dad's sister was out that way. Um, but yeah, pretty much, man. Like I got a call from one of the coaches. This was like January 4th, I think. And I just put up a highlight film of mine on the internet and they called me a couple days later. And then I pretty much decided within a week, I'm like, you know, I just want to get out of here and do something different. So I moved like within a couple months went there with just like a couple bags. <laughs> I pretty much carried everything with me, like one, one backpack in the front of my chest, one of the, one of the back. It was super cold there at the time. So I like was just bundled up with clothes. Didn't have any proper winter clothes because Vancouver doesn't really get, you know, we don't get real winter in Vancouver. No, no. So I had everything uh, on my person, basically walking around town and looking for somewhere to stay. And I ended up staying with my, uh, my cousin who I'd actually never met, which was kind of cool. Oh, that's wicked. Yeah. So you played ball there for a couple of years and then, uh, what, what did you study in university? Uh, well, I was in arts, but I focused primarily on psychology and philosophy. Like the majority of my courses were in those two things. Um, I actually only got into my third year and then with the concussions, I, I stopped playing, but, um, and because of that, I lost my scholarship. So I had to start working, but I was, yeah, psychology, technically as a third year psychology student. That's wicked. But after that shift, like I'm assuming, cause I've gone through different kind of bouts with this, uh, kind of thing. And I can go into that as well, but Mm-hmm. like just recently i i stopped uh smoking weed i'm on day 20 now so i'm pretty proud of that which is like the first time in i've taken like a month off here and there but like pretty much since i was like 16 i've been like half baked fucking half my life you know what i mean like and it's been um it's it's been something that i feel like doesn't really inhibit my work ethic in a sense that like i can work like 60 hour weeks while doing this podcast while training every single day like if you were to ask any of my friends they're like yeah he's not a lazy guy he's always on the move but i've just kind of come to this realization where i just felt stagnant in my life and i kind of started to think you know what's the one thing that i've avoided changing you know, I've been able to change my wake up times. I've been able to change my diet. I've been able to change the group of people I hang out with, my job, et cetera. Like there's always been different things that I'm like, all right, I'm going to change this in my life and I'll become a new man. But the mm-hmm. one constant thing I was avoiding changing was like 
quitting smoking weed. It was always a part of my identity. Mm -hmm. So like I pretty much came to this conclusion and it's pretty easy as well. Cause my girlfriend that, I, that I'm with, she's sober. So it's kind of been like, uh, she's never really pushed me and said like, Hey, you're a little bit addicted to this substance, but like, it's been easy to make that shift because she is sober as well. So I, I like 20 days ago, I was like, all right, this is the one thing I've like neglected to change. I'm going to fucking change this now. And it's been like a weird shift in my mindset because it was literally part of my identity, you know, to be the stoner of the group of friends that I have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to, to just always be the guy like, and, and I would even make a joke out of it to be like, oh, I'm working harder than all of these people and I'm baked all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was a literal part of my identity. And so like, did you kind of go through that after you stopped playing ball? Because like, I know there was different times in my life, not just this, but like where I was like an athlete or where I was this person or that person, mm -hmm. like kind of going through that shift or that change of identity. Did you go through that when you stopped playing ball? Oh yeah. Yeah. When I stopped playing football, that was probably like one of the hardest, I'd say one of the hardest times of my life, just because I'd put so much effort and time into it and didn't really, like I was, I was convinced. It's like, if I keep just applying myself, I'm going to go pro gonna go pro and, and i was certain of it but obviously never happened and which is fine but at the time it was very yeah very difficult for me to accept that i just couldn't play anymore and it wasn't that i didn't want to i just my head was so rattled like anytime i got into any sort of contact with someone i'd be like dizzy for an hour you know like not even not even big collisions just just little shots with the shoulder or something. And I like would be messed up for days. So I couldn't do it. Um, so yeah, no, I, I wasn't sure what to do. I, I decided that I wasn't going to let myself just sit there and sulk. Um, I remember pretty, pretty vividly like playing some video games for like a couple of weeks with some friends more than I usually would. And um, even that I was like, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this. Like I need to figure out what's going on with my life here. And um so what I started doing is I didn't have a car at the time. I, I would just like bus around, look for jobs. I got like three jobs pretty much within like a month of, of all that finishing. I got a job in the movies. I got a job at Earl's as a server and I got a job uh, working as a personal trainer, which I'd already been doing a little bit in the past, but I was a bit of a hiatus because of football. And I started listening to a lot of audiobooks. Like I would just walk for hours. It didn't, didn't matter what the, you know, what the weather was. It'd be pissing rain. It'd be, you know, super nice out snowing, whatever. I would just walk around at least a couple hours a day, listen to audiobooks, like uh, personal development, business, just trying to figure out what it is I needed to do. And I figured if I crammed as much positive information into my head as possible, I'd, I'd figure out something. So that's kind of how all that, that shift happened. And then, I mean, I'd say within a few months later, I was pretty much back on my feet for more or less. And then that was still back in Vancouver here, right? Earl's is like a local brand, I think, right? Do they have? Mm. I was living near UBC at the time. I was at, uh, living out in Carisdale. Oh, I love that area, man. I do renos there actually all the time. Yeah. So nice. So nice. So, and so you're in Vancouver still at that time, which is like, how many years ago is that now? That was 2016. Yeah. So, uh, six years ago. Yeah. And then now you're out like a lot more further East in BC. I don't know if you want mm -hmm. to talk about like where you're at now, but. Um, yeah. I'm in Nelson, BC now, which is like, uh, for anybody who knows BC or maybe just doesn't know Nelson, it's a couple hours East of the Okanagan two, three hours east of the Okanagan. You can pretty well go to Soyuz and drive like two hours and you get right to Nelson. What brought um, you out there? Well, I have, I have some family here too. I, my, my dad's other sister lives out here and I had visited a few times in the summer the last few years. And I'd already been kind of feeling like I was done with the city. Uh, I just was kind of tired of the craziness of the city and wanted something quieter. Came out here and Nelson's like, it's a pretty sweet little town. Like it's a little bit more bustling than your typical town of the size that it is. 
just tons of restaurants and like activities you can get into, you know, people love the breweries here. They love, they love like their, we got a really good Mexican place. Um, it's actually kind of well known for being Canada's, like one of Canada's best food destinations for such a small place. I think it's the most, most restaurants per capita in Canada. Which, um, yeah, it's a pretty sweet spot. And there's, there's a lake here. There's lots of hiking. I love to hike. Um, and I just so happened to find a, a couple gyms that like needed people, you know, they needed staff and I had the experience. Like people just walk in and pick up a bunch of hours and it was an easy way for me to, you know, get to know people in the community and just a pretty, pretty seamless transition for me. That's really wicked, man, because I mm -hmm. feel like that's one of the biggest fears of people like kind of moving to a smaller town. They're like, what if I don't have opportunity for work? Like, that's why people come to the city. And it, it mm -hmm. seems like you just kind of had that opportunity right off the get, get the, the get go. Yeah, well, you know, the Kootenays is the region we're in and here and the Kootenays, I would say that's usually true about it is it is kind of hard to find work. Um, but there's some industries that are just booming. Like if you want a job in a restaurant, there's so many restaurants if you want a job in construction and building and, you know, the trades it's booming here. Like it's insane. It's just the same way, like Kelowna's growing, you know, um, the Kootenays are like kind of like the next Okanagan and everybody's trying to move here. We get people moving from Ontario, Quebec, you know, Alberta, like people all over BC coming here too. I think it's the population is growing like 10% every couple of years or something like that. So there's a lot of demand for housing. And uh, so if you're in building and whatnot, like you just, people kill it out here. They do really well. That's nuts, man. What's the drive like to Vancouver? I think it's like, what is it? Six hours? It's about seven hours. Seven hours. Yeah. And mostly because the highway is so, it, it's kind of winding, right? Like you're not just a straight shot. You got to go through up and down the mountain passes and whatnot. So it takes a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And so would you say you're happier there than you were in Vancouver? Oh, so much happier. Yeah, I would say, I don't know what it is, man. Every time I come back to Vancouver, it's almost like there's this like dark cloud over the city. And maybe it's just me, but I feel like my energy definitely goes down when I get, especially when I get stuck in traffic. I, I don't like traffic very much. <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. Still living in Richmond. I, I trust me. I, I appreciate that, man. I fucking hate traffic so much, dude. Yeah. There's times where like... um. Yeah, we'll have like a job in Langley. And then like by the time I get off work and I leave the job site and by the time I get home, it's been like an hour and a half. I'm like, dude, this is like a, it's supposed to be a 35 minute drive. How the fuck was I just in traffic for an hour and a half? Mm -hmm. No, I know what you mean. I, I used to work uh, at a gym in Langley and I still lived in Richmond. And if I didn't get off at like a certain time, it'd be like an hour and a half to get home versus it should be 35, 40 minutes, right? Yeah, it's nuts, man. I yeah. know um, I know you were asking me kind of like uh, what we would chat about. And I'm kind of like, I'm pretty nonchalant about it just because I like kind of having like these free flowing conversations. But you were mm -hmm. saying that you had a couple of topics that you wanted to discuss. Did you do, did we cover them already? Or did you have like any idea of like anything that you, you were like looking to chat about today? I think we covered them pretty good, actually. And the biggest thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, just dealing with adversity, which is kind of what we've gotten into. Um, I, I really like philosophy. So like, especially stoic philosophy I used to read a lot of stoic philosophy. Hell yeah, man. I love and, stoic philosophy. Yeah. It's kind of like Western Buddhism, you know, like it's, it's pretty, pretty cool stuff you know, for anybody who hasn't got into reading like Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus or and even like, what's his name is a good intro to it. Um, Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday. Yeah, that's how I got into it. I, I read I read a couple of his books back. Yeah, around that time that I went through the whole transition of my life with football and other things. That's when I discovered him. Um, and there's just so many gems in those books, man. Like, I think people need, they need some direction, you know, and whether that's philosophy, religion, or, or whatever. You know, I think that people need that. They need, they need some guidance because otherwise we're just kind of frolicking around like fish out of water, not knowing what's going on. Yeah, I know, man. I, I constantly go in and out of that state where I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing. And then the next week I'm like, do I? Yeah. And that's, and I think that that's something that a lot of those philosophers will talk about is like the importance of knowing what your purpose is and knowing why you do what you do and, 
I mean, I hear you. I think we're all there. We all, we have our moments of, you know, maybe a weekend, you, you went out with friends, have some drinks or something, you have too many, and then you wake up the next day, like later than you should have. And, you know, I've been there. Um, but, you know, always reminding yourself of why you do what you do. I think it's, it's like kind of the remedy for that. And having some greater purpose for your actions is really important. That's something people have lost. Like I, I can say, I think very confidently, that's something that most people nowadays don't have. And I, I, and this is my opinion, and I'm sure some people will disagree with me, but I think that's probably also what causes a lot of depression is the lack of meaning in, in people's lives. There's a book um, that I read that talks a lot about this. Uh, what's Man's Search for Meaning. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, Victor Frankl. Yeah, so he talks a lot about like what what um, what was the difference between people in Nazi concentration camps that survived and those who didn't. It was the ones that had meaning, the ones that had some some reason to do what they were doing, so that they, you know, they wanted to survive to see their families, or they wanted to survive because they had something else that was waiting for them, right? And it 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 you can try you can kind of draw parallels to like. I think why religions, for example, like Christianity, why they push this idea of if you live like a holy and natural life, that you will be rewarded, you know, in a, in a life um, with little sin, like you'll be rewarded at the end of it with heaven, you know. And I think that there's something to be said, obviously, I'm not necessarily saying that I believe in heaven and hell that way. But I think like, metaphorically, those those teachings they mean something right and and they provide humans with something and i'm not sure why that is but there's definitely something there right dude i i completely agree with that actually i um man search for meaning i so when i first started go see like help for like my mental health i went and see i went and saw like my family doctor at the time and she sent me to this psychologist and uh pretty much my first experience was like Hey, how are you feeling? And then I do this like written test, basically. I don't know like if anyone else's experience was similar to this, but like this is, or even if yours was, if you ever saw professional help for your mental health. But for me, it was like pretty much sit down and fill like a little fucking worksheet. And it's like, mm -hmm. how do you feel out of like, it was like, everything was like a scale of like one to five kind of thing. And it was like, oh, by the way, like uh, do the results of your test, like you have severe depression and generalized anxiety disorder. That was pretty much where they, they, that, that's where it was. And so he's like, yeah, so uh, take these pills and then uh, come back and chat with me in six weeks and let me know how you feel. And uh, these are some side effects and let me know if you feel those. And then I'd come back and they'd be like, oh, how you doing? I'd be like, yeah, you know, I kind of feel like... Um, I don't feel as bad, but I definitely don't feel good. But I also like my appetite's shot and I lost like 50 pounds in the last two months. And then he'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, like, uh, let's try these pills then. And then I just tried different pills. And that was pretty yeah. much my experience. And it got to the point where like, I literally say to this guy, I'm like, look, dude, you got to help me wean off these things. Cause I'm done kind of like fucking playing this game of like, try this pill and see if it works. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was a rough go because he was like, look, you got to trust the system. You got to trust how this works. And that just didn't work out for me. Like mine, yeah. my mindset was like, I don't know, man, I've been playing this game and it seems like I'm just like getting more and more fucked. So yeah, I end up saying to this, like my family doctor, I'm like, look, I don't know if you can give me like a different psychologist or like refer me to someone else or like where you want to go with this. And she pretty much said the same thing. She's like, look, like you got to trust. We have your best interests. And I'm like, look, I don't. So can you give me a new doctor? And mm -hmm. um, it, it like got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to take this into my own hands. And then I, I went into a walk-in clinic and I was like, yeah. look, like I'm done seeing my family doctor about this, but I still need help. Like I was like relentless with this. I'm like, I fucking need help. And I don't know the answer. Otherwise I wouldn't be in this situation. Mm -hmm. So I end up going to the, they end up saying like, there's nothing we can really do for you unless you go to the hospital. So I was like, all right, I'll just walk there then. So I walked to the hospital and I'm like, look, I need to see someone. Like I I'm like, I need to fucking see someone. And so they send me to this other psychologist that's in the hospital. I sit down in his office and he looks at me and he goes, Hey, how's it going, man? Like what, what brought you in here today? Like what, like what's going on? Like, don't you have a family doctor kind of thing? And, uh, 
I sit in his office and I'm like, here's the thing. I'm fucked. My life feels fucked. There's nothing really wrong. Like I had a girlfriend at the time. I'm not like a different one that I'm with now. It was a terrible relationship. It was kind of toxic, but I didn't see it at the time. But I was like, look, I've got a steady job. I've got parents that love me. I've got a girlfriend. I've got all these things. You know, I'm exercising every single day, but I just feel like shit. And to be 100% honest, if you start prescribing me a bunch of different pills, I'm just going to fucking walk out of here because I've had this experience so many fucking times. And he goes, he starts asking me like a bunch of questions. He's like, well, what kind of exercise are you doing? What's your nutrition like? You know, mm -hmm. like how, how often do you talk to your parents about these types of things? Like, what's your relationship like? Like, what's your girlfriend? Is she supportive of these things? Like, what's your career like? Like all these different questions. And he's like, Hey man, it seems like you're on the right track. Like what kind of books are you reading? And I'm like, reading, bro, yeah. I don't read. <laughs> and, and he says, he says, all right, I'm going to give you two books and I want you to read these books. And when you're done, when you're finished reading these books, come back and chat with me. And the two books he gave me were uh, the upward spiral. I can't remember if I have it maybe here still. I don't think it's on a different bookshelf. But he says the upward spiral, which I can't remember the author. I'll fucking link it or I'll put it on the bottom of the screen or whatever. And the other one was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And that one I crushed within like a couple of days. And I, I give him an email back and I'm like, you have no idea how you just changed my life. Yeah. That book was so instrumental in my, that was the first like quote unquote self-help book that I read. Mm -hmm. And it was like, yeah, it completely changed my life because just having like kind of a purpose to continue towards, like I remember saying to myself, like, if I'm going to keep going, if I'm going to keep living, I'm going to try and make sure that this doesn't happen to other like young men or young people, like not even men specifically, but like, I just want to make sure that this feeling goes away for other people. And that was what mm -hmm. I considered to be like, quote unquote, my purpose. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. just having something towards like to go towards was just instrumental for me because now on those days like i still have days where like i call my girlfriend up and i'm like i like i don't know if i can keep doing this and she's like why'd you start you know why are you even doing this in the first place and it's like oh yeah i have to be that person that i needed you know mm -hmm. and um that's why that book resonated so much with me and that's i think you're 100 percent right because even in like certain conversations that i've had with people in my life recently where they're like look, I'm making the most money I've ever made in my life, but I just feel like shit. And I'm like, well, why are you doing that? And they're like, to pay off my car loan. Yeah, it's like, it's such surface. I mean, and no judgment, but it's, it is very like surface level for a lot of people, you know, and there's there's not a lot of depth in their decisions, I think. And, and I don't even blame them either. I think that's just like, it's like the culture. Like you even said it with your doctor. <laughs> You know, here, take this pill, take this pill, right? It's it's like, you know, snort this Coke or what? It's all the same shit, you know? Yeah. It's just a quick fix kind of mentality. Um, and I've had this issue, like, it's funny you bring up medicine, but I, I wouldn't say, like, I'm against Western medicine. I think there's a lot of positive in Western medicine, especially if you're talking about, like, if you need an immediate intervention, you're like, you're going to die, you're an operating table, boom, like, just, you know, your surgeon may save your life, which is phenomenal. We didn't always have that kind of technology and, and the science to do those sorts of things. But when it comes to like chronic illness and mental health, I feel like Western medicine is like basically useless a lot of times, like almost useless. And, and that's why like this last couple of years has been sane to me, all this COVID stuff, because nobody's talking about the importance of being healthy. Like if you're going to get a, any sort of illness, whether it be respiratory illness or cancer or anything, you need to be healthy to fight the infection or fight the, the ailment. Um, and there's a lot of science, like pretty much all the science suggests that if your body's working properly, you're going to be able to fight that. But if your body's not working properly and you've got metabolic syndrome and you've got, you know, pre-diabetes, yeah, you've got a, a lot higher chance of being ill from just about anything. 100%. Right? And so that's like, man, like this, yeah, this stuff drives me a little, a little kooky. You know, I've, I've had, I've had clients that were doctors that don't even know, like they don't know how to eat, you know, 
Yeah. And when I say they don't know how to eat, I mean, like they're going to Starbucks and having a muffin like for lunch and that's all they have, you know, they're in the hospital and that's all they eat, you know? So to me, I'm like, well, like, did you not learn this? You spent, <laughs> you spent like almost 10 years in school to learn how to be healthy, but really that's not what they're taught. Right. And that's, that's like the root of the problem. And I mean, we could delve into that forever, about why that is, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, I think, it's a topic that in, unless you're someone who's super interested in like actualizing yourself and optimizing your health, you're, you're kind of at a disadvantage that way because the professionals and experts aren't educated either. And so what do you do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've been going through like a lot of conversations like this recently where it's like, um, you know, the Western, Western medicine for sure. Like I, I have to get like part of my septum fixed, uh, mm. next month. I'm pretty thankful that like we have surgeons that are able to just fucking repair things like that. Because like, I look at mm. problems like that. Like, it's like, there's no way a hundred years ago that this would have been a fixable problem. I would have mm. been fucked. Like there would be just, I can't really breathe out of my nose. So like, I would have just been like that for the rest of my life. Like at 27, like, it's like, mm. I got a long life ahead of me, like knock on wood. And I want to spend that breathing through my nose, man. I don't want to be a mouth breather. So I'm, I'm thankful that <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm thankful, man. Yeah. But in terms of, I think you're right, man. I think in terms of like anything psychological, anything, you know, it's always like, here's, um, here's the, here's the solution for the symptom. And mm. it's never like, let's dive into the root of why this happened. You know, like you're yeah. a personal trainer and for, excuse me, for anyone that's involved in fitness, like if you got back pain, most of the time people aren't going to tell you, um, here's some painkillers. They're going to be like, why do you have this back pain? Oh, I got in a car accident five years ago. Okay. Well, what's going on there? It's like, oh, I've got mm -hmm. the, now my pelvis is tilted forward and I have this issue with my hip and mm -hmm. you know, this is going on. And so my posture is kind of fucked. And because of that, my upper back's all torque. Like there's always something else like it's not just mm. the problem itself like your back pain is a symptom of something else that's fucked and we should yeah, fix your, that your body's trying to communicate with you right there's another thing too that i think a lot of people should know is like the body is far more intelligent than the mind the mind is only really developed from when you're born the body has evolved for millions and millions i mean if you believe in evolution then you have to believe that the body is you know basically as intelligent a thing as anything in the world you know it's evolved to be the way that it is so if you mess with that intelligence you mess with um you know the natural order of things you're going to suffer for it your, your body has this, these ways of communicating with you that a lot of people don't even realize i think because you know they're numb or you know they just kind of like you said you know they're, they're taking painkillers and stuff it's to numb the pain when really they need to just listen yeah do you like, um, do you kind of run into that even with your clients as well, where they're just like, Hey, help me like alleviate this pain. And you're like, dude, we got to dig into the root of this. Is that like mm -hmm. pretty much all of them or most people? Yeah. I'd say most people, um, it's not mainstream knowledge to know, like, it's not a, not a popular way to think either. I think like in, in general, not, not just in fitness. I think that most people are, are very focused on what's immediately in front of them aren't really big picture thinkers, right? Some people obviously are, but it's not, it's not as common as I wish it was. Yeah. Did, sorry, go ahead. I think you, were you about to say something or? Nope. Nope. Uh, I was going to say, um, did you have like a moment because it sounded like you went through like quite a decent amount of like, I, I mean, like, it's not like you went through, I don't know, maybe you did go through hell and back, but it sounds like you've definitely had your fair share of adversity through your life. Um, through childhood, your teenage years, et cetera. Uh, did you have any moments where you kind of fell into that, like kind of, I want to say like victim mentality or like kind of like the woe is me, like why does this shit always happen to me? Or did you have those? Because mm. you said earlier that after you finished university football, you didn't really want to dwell on it too long. I feel like that's mm -hmm. not an, un like then that's not a very common mindset. I feel like a lot of us, even myself, like we fall into these patterns of like, fuck, why is this happening to me? Like, how did I go into so much debt? Like, mm -hmm. Or how did I, you know, how did I get injured this way? Why does this happen to me when other people like, 
why the fuck is there a Tom Brady and there's not me? You know, like, did you ever yeah. have those moments? Um, you know, no, not really. I, and I don't, like, I know it sounds kind of odd, but no, I, I think, I think because, how to describe this? So, so when I was young, you know, I had, I had a bit of an older dad. He's a bit more old school guy. And in my house, it was like, you know, boys, boys don't cry. Boys don't bitch. Boys don't whine. And and I know that like some people will say like, well, that's not good. You got to express yourself. And definitely there's got to be some, you got to find some way to channel what you're feeling. But I think that because I was in that scenario, I kind of, I kind of suffered silently. Um, and I didn't show a lot of what I was going through, which was probably a big part of why I had the adversity that I did. But it did teach me to deal with things on my own. And it did teach me to, to try to figure things out of my own accord and not make excuses for myself. Um, so maybe, you know, I, I bet you a lot of my suffering came from that. But at the same time, I think I'm kind of happy that I, I had that, that, uh, that upbringing as well, you know, and plus football too. The culture was always like, you know, you're not allowed to bitch like you're bitch. You're off, you're off the team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, like if you show up to practice late and my dad was my coach growing up. So I like, I got it in the ear all the time. Right. Like I was the example. So if I messed up, I, I was the first one everyone saw him yell at me at practice he'd be like what the fuck's wrong with you <laughs> like you're a captain of this team you can't be doing that kind of shit right and so i never i never really went through that sort of a phase where i felt sorry for myself but you know i went through other things like i had other other struggles for sure like i don't know if it was better or worse you know yeah it, it's such a it's such a weird thing, especially like when you transition from that, because I've fallen into that so many times. So I'm like, mm -hmm. fuck, man, how is this happening to me? And then uh, like, it sounds like it's like the same story. Like uh, I, I've always like, I've been trying to think of it this way recently, where it's like it's it seems like the story's repeating every single chapter is the exact same. And then you realize you're the one writing the book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then you're like, oh, I can write this completely differently. Like, I don't have to fucking mm -hmm. deal with this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You get to choose. Absolutely. But I think, I think where it can be hard for people is they don't know that they get to choose. That's why I think that you'll see some people who, you know, either born into poverty or born into hard, harder situations than, you know, probably you and I can even fathom, but can still get out of it, you know, and then there's others who can't. And it's because I think that they're just not aware, like ignorance, ignorance is the issue there like when you're when you're made aware that you are the captain of the ship then you know then now you don't have an excuse anymore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of figuring out how how to you know how to captain the ship you know it's like what are the skills that you need to acquire so that you're in more control of your life yeah maybe that maybe that might be your answer to this but i've, I've been asking like a couple people this question at the end uh, like uh in in these interviews um but one of the things that has really been like kind of on my mind recently is like you know you hear about um like i used to do a lot of downtown like uh downtown east side volunteering for people that aren't in vancouver that's basically like a third world country in and of our city it's like this fucked up war zone where um uh, mm -hmm. basically the, nobody gives a shit what you do you can just do drugs on the street you can do whatever you want mm -hmm. um there's like little to no police presence there and when there is there's just not enough manpower to stop how much madness there is down there but mm -hmm. um that's a weird tangent but um i used to actually like try and interview people down there and i'd ask mm -hmm. them you know like what kind of brought you here like and you hear about all these insane crazy stories about you know maybe some tragedies that happened in their lives that led them to whatever path they took and then you hear other stories of like, I don't know who you idolize, but pretty much anyone that we idolize, like anyone that we look up to, whether it's like a celebrity or someone in your life that you know personally, whatever it is, like a, an athlete, whatever. And you think, you know, how did they get so awesome? Like what happened in their life? And there's always like this underdog story that we love to hear about where they went through like mm -hmm. these crazy tragedies. And it's like, 
I don't know how we, we are able to accept that you hear about this guy who ends up like homeless on the downtown East side doing drugs all day and excuse me, can't afford food. Mm-hmm. And that it happened because of a tragedy. But then you hear about all these people that we look up to and how they got so great was because of a tragedy. Like, yeah. Where's the divergence? Like, why does that happen? Yeah. 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 I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough one to answer. I can't say for sure, but I would imagine it's, it's a mindset. Right. And at the same time, you know, if someone's in that sort of situation, how do you teach them that kind of mindset? They might not be ready for it. And, you know, for those who know biology, you know that the prefrontal cortex doesn't work well when you're stressed out. Like you can't think logically when you're stressed. Right. And that's just a fact of life. You get into survival mode, right? And and you're you put more energy into fight or flight. You're literally living in a fight all the time. You know, all the like the physiology is like the blood literally comes out of your brain and goes into your extremities right? Your heart starts pumping faster, cortisol levels go up, you're ready to fight all the time. So if you're in that sort of state, you can't think, right? You can't think, you can't be creative. Um, You know, you don't recover from from trauma, whether it be physical or psychological. And it's just this like recurring cycle. And the only way I think the person can really get out of it is they need to A, know, know that they can and B, have somewhere to go, right? Yeah. Do you mean like a physical place to go or like a purpose towards something or like positive environment, you know, like a positive environment, whether it be, I mean, at that point it's so tough, right? Cause I mean, I can speak from maybe just my own experiences of knowing people who are in that sort of state of mind. And, and like, it's hard to be around those types of people if you're a positive person. And we are always talking about, um, you know, surround yourself with positivity, surround yourself with positivity, which is true. But those people who are in the negativity, they also need positive people. And it's a, you know, the reality is I think it's a huge sacrifice for someone who's in a really good state of mind to be around somebody who's, who's not right. Like I, I know a lot of people who are maybe not a lot of people, but a few people I can think of um, that are, you know, volunteering with with people like that that are living in the downtown east side or that are you know working for the crisis you know hotline and stuff like that um and most of the people that i know that are involved in that also are kind of i I don't want to use like i don't want to say messed up you know what i mean like they they have like psychologically they're not the 100 themselves and i think that's probably what drives them to want to help those people which is which is great. Like we need people like that, but at the same time, it's such a, it's such a complicated thing. Like, I don't know if there's an easy solution, right? I don't know if the only thing I could really think of is if you just, like I said, you pick someone out of that environment and put them in a fantastic supportive environment where they've got proper nutrition, they got books to read, they got, you know, they got all the things that they need to, to recover but most of these people end up, you know, like on the streets or they end up in jail or something where they're around a bunch of other people who are going through the same sort of problems. And so they never really escape it. They're literally living in like hell, hell on earth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say earlier, like I, I'm not like a super religious person, man. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what that stuff all means to me. But mm-hmm. one thing that I've kind of realized, and, and this is, this maybe might change this maybe uh, I mean, it's changed in the past, but that's kind of where I, what I consider to be hell and heaven. Like, I don't know if I really believe in an afterlife, but I know that, you know, if you live virtuously, your life will become heaven. And if you don't live virtuously, I think that your life does become like a living hell. Like it's, that's yeah. pretty much where you're at. Yeah. I, I agree with that hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that that's where, I think that's why there's, there are those lessons and parables is to get people to realize, get people to realize that. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a deep, it's a deep thing, you know, like religion is a, it's fascinating. And it's, I used to not think about it at all. Like not even a little bit. I thought it was silly, you know, but as I get older, I come to realize like maybe I was the silly one. Like maybe some people have it figured out, you know, (laughs) maybe it's not as simple as, as like, like we live in a really material world nowadays because I think because everything is so like focused on physical matter and scientific theories and whatnot, which is great. I think that's a part of a part of like our evolution, but at the same time, 
as the saying goes, I'm not sure who said this, but you know, you can take what is useful, discard what is not. You don't have to throw everything out because you disagree with one bit of information, right? Like, yeah, it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's that's probably like the biggest thing that changed my life. Started thinking that way, is realizing that there's an in between. You don't you don't need to be black or white. Yeah, hundred percent. That's um, that's kind of where I've kind of gone with this, like the the spiritual journey, so to say. Like it's like uh, with philosophy and religion. Like I'm trying to just learn as much as I possibly can about everything. And just mm-hmm. like you said, like take everything that works and discard what I don't like, you know, like, do I think that there's a guy that's out there floating in the sky that's condemning people for being homosexual? No, I don't think that, you know, but do I think that I'm going to be rewarded if I treat my neighbors the way that I want to be treated? Probably. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with you hundred percent. That's wicked, man. Well, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think that that might be a beautiful place to wrap this up. I don't know if you have like kind of like a time constraint or, or, um, if you have anything else that you wanted to chat about. Um, not really. I mean, I'd say like the biggest thing for talking on the topic of mental health, I think one big takeaway from this for anyone who's listening, if they're fighting, they're like struggling a good place to start. Uh, I think for both of us, it helped us a lot was reading, you know, find books that are going to be beneficial for you. I think a couple of the ones we talked about are good. Like, um, you know, man search for meaning great book. Another one's meditations. Marcus Aurelius. I'd recommend that to anybody. Um, and then I get a nice modern translation. uh, If you're going to get it. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many translations. That book's like what? 2000 years old or something. Yeah. Super old. Um, and another one that really helped me was, uh, as a man thinketh, yes by james allen yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. someone got that for me for christmas last year actually man really great wicked book mm-hmm. i think as well like there's a lot of um like uh i i i read meditations and i had i read it after i had read books about meditations so like i think a lot of the time with like especially like ancient philosophies like that like even like if you want to read about religions like, I'd, I'd like if you want to go ahead and read the bible go for it but i'd mm-hmm. say like kind of find a book that's like maybe explains the passages of the bible you get where i'm coming mm-hmm. from like sometimes yeah. I think especially for a lot of younger people right now like if you're in your 20s it's tough to read that kind of language so like i think a modern translation or interpretation of these things is really useful for people because i've given my friend my book like meditations and he's like bro i couldn't even read it like i don't even understand what the it is a lot yeah that's true that's true so if i find the most modern translation or just read ryan holiday he's kind of summed up all that stuff yeah yeah Yeah. i like his books a lot i was trying to think of i'm actually i'm reading one of his books right now that's why his his name was like fresh on my mind but Mm -hmm. i like that a lot man i think another one um i'd recommend for people i don't know if you've read this one but was uh art of living it was like Epictetus or epic oh yes yes and it's just like short passages like like a few like maybe a paragraph each page and i used to just Mm -hmm. that was my introduction to stoic philosophy was that book art of living and i used to keep it in my desk when i used to work at a gym and every morning when i'd come in i'd just read one passage and i'd be like i don't know how this is so applicable to my life every fucking day and it's so old and it's still applicable you know that's what i find so cool about it it's like it just goes to show you we haven't changed that much in that time you know yeah like our whole world has shifted completely like they weren't even living in fucking like dude if i were to show like i think it's so funny to actually think about this if you think about like if you look around you right now like at all the things and like i don't know if you live in an apartment or like a house or whatever it is i live in an apartment it's not that big it's like less than a thousand square footage and i think like it's pretty cool to think that I still live a better quality of life than like a king would have a thousand years ago. Yeah. Warm my food up with four presses of a button or like just to crank the fucking heat on my cast iron pan. I can warm up some meat that I have cooled in the fridge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we literally live. Yeah. The convenience of of the modern, modern life, you know, but it also goes to show you that, people don't appreciate that stuff they should we're we're really fortunate 
Like all the riches in the world couldn't have bought what we have a thousand years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And they were still living, quote unquote, like kings. And here we are. Yeah, I guess king. Kings are relative term, right? <laughs> it's pretty nuts to think about, man. But dude, I um, I'll let you go. I really appreciate your time, man. This was fucking wicked, and I'm looking forward to around two. In fact, if you're ever in Vancouver, man. You have to come mm-hmm. by and we'll do this in person as well, dude. I really enjoy this conversation, dude. I didn't think we'd have so much in common. This is sick. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for having me. Dude, thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to do? You should give yourself a plug. Let people know where they can find you. I'm going to do it in the description of this, but let people know where they can find you on Instagram and uh, wherever else you are as well. Yeah, probably the easiest place is just Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is coach.ryan.read and read is spelled R-E-I-D beautiful man well dude like i said thank you so much and for anybody that's listening to this i hope you have a good day good afternoon good evening whatever fucking time you listen to this at but uh that's it much love cool peace out everybody